We love God together. We love our church family together. We love our neighbor together. This became our Love Neighbor Initiative, which is now a nonprofit that we basically take families from generational poverty and move them all the way to generational wealth through a robust uh, program uh, and just trying to show the love of Christ in a really deep and passionate way. And over the last um, 11 years of the nonprofit, we now have graduated over 900 neighbors uh, into self-sufficient incomes, and about 50 of those have actually joined the wealth building program that we started in the last 18 months here. But as far as the core work we do, I'd like Jen to just kind of give a brief overview of what we do in Cross Purpose in the Leader Program. How many of you, I'm just going to talk, how many of you guys are familiar, familiar with Cross Purpose? And I know what we do. Yay! Uh, and those of you who don't, it is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and in, the best place to talk about it is within a local church. Uh, it's right here with you all in this home. Uh, we are a six-month program that walks along someone to help them escape financial poverty. It gives them relationships and spiritual opportunities to lean into the Lord as well. So during that six-month program, they have six weeks of classes where they slow down and understand themselves a little bit, uh, and then they speed up and understand themselves professionally by writing a resume and interviewing. Then they pick a skill track, and we have about anywhere from 11 to 15 skill tracks, depending on the class, from MA to medical billing and coding to commercial driver's license, all those things. They complete that certification, and then they land a job. They cannot graduate without having a full-time job. On that journey, that's a lot of work. Many of them are working full-time, have families, have a lot of barriers. When you're in financial poverty, there's a lot up against you uh, that they're doing. And so we have a coach, which that's why Lisa being here is so big. Uh, we love our coaches who walk alongside uh, these leaders. We also have allies. How many of you have been an ally? Yep. We have people that walk alongside them on Wednesday nights and are their cheerleaders, their support, their encouragers. Um, so cross-purpose, what I love about it is the fact that people come in going, I want a career, and we want them to have that because we want them to have financial stability. We also do it with relationships. Because of those allies and those coaches and the team that walks alongside them, they're building extra friends and more people that have understood them and can cheer them on. They also have spiritual opportunities. So we have these opt-in classes during lunches, um, discipleships, and things like that, which is why you all are such a huge blessing um, because we birthed Cross Purpose out of Providence. The local church is what will change the world. And Cross Purpose is a tool to enable the local church to do that. That's what it is. If it's outside of a local church, don't want to do it. You can go find a career program somewhere else. There's a lot of them. But being inside the local church, they have that opportunity to slow down and go, who is Jesus? What's this Bible? I know I went to that church. They messed me up. Let's slow it down. <laughs> Let's try it again. And then once they have that safety and have those conversations, they can step into a body of Christ, uh, which is exactly what we want. Uh, so, Providence, thank you. Thank you, guys. That's why we're doing cross-purpose in Aurora with y'all. Mm. Mm. I just wish she believed it, you know. <laughs> uh, so, a little bit of context then locally. If you're new to Denver or uh, not as much of a history buff about Denver, 
Denver used to have two military bases on the east side of town, uh, Lowry and Fitzsimmons. And they actually, uh, in fact, Fitzsimmons, uh, I think, started during World War I in 1918. Uh, and the reason they put the hospital out here, it was an army hospital, because uh, if you know a lot about the history of Colorado, this was known as a place where if you had tuberculosis, you could come to the clear mountain air and get get healed. And this is probably why people still come to Colorado, is they're looking for healing in some way in their life. Um, couple that with the economy of the gold rush, the silver rush, the oil rush, and then lately the green rush, the marijuana rush. Uh, this has been the boom and bust cycles of our state. Well, um, this became a huge hospital here, but in 1995, it was voted to actually close it down. And it's famous because Actually, Eisenhower was out here vacationing and had a heart attack. And uh, you can actually, in fact, Friday I was actually in the building that they, the one building they've still preserved from the hospital is in the center of the campus there. And there's an Eisenhower suite that's preserved on the top floor uh, where he uh, received his healing. Um, they called it the Western White House, right? And uh, Lord knows if the White House was out here, it sure would be behaving a whole lot better over the last 15 years than it has. But anyway, we, we, would, we really like them out there uh, on the other side. So, um, But then the base uh, was closed down. And I think sometimes when we encounter endings as people of God and things happen to us, we get pretty confused and we get pretty angry because imagine all the people who lost their jobs. Imagine how it affected the economy. Imagine people in this confusing in between about like, God, what are you doing through the closure of this base? And you don't see it right away. Uh, I like what Scazzaro says in his book, An Emotionally Healthy Leader, that when we do endings, we, we have to confront this reality. It's a, re- it's a reality. Then we got to wait in what he calls the confusing in between. And then we see endings as actually new beginnings for God's new future, Right, and then we step into that. So I can imagine if you picture yourself in 1995, like the people that were part of that base in the community are stunned, and then enter uh, the Calavix into that space. So Scott and Peggy have been founders of Living Hope Community Church, which originally was called Base Chapel of the Rockies. Uh, so why don't you guys just tell a little bit about your founding story that comes out of the base closure? Uh, Yeah, well, um, first let me just say this. Let me put this whole story in context for you. Just think about this with me. Uh, When Jesus met Peter, let's just say that, Matthew chapter 4, he did not come up to Peter and say, Hey, Peter, you're really lucky today, man, because I'm the second member of the Trinity. (laughs) And I'm incarnate. I was born... Uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, born in Bethlehem, just like Micah said I would be. Uh, I'm omniscient, and I'm omnipresent, and I'm I'm omnipotent. And, and, you know, I'd like to see your resume, Peter. Could I see what you could bring to the table for this movement we're starting? It wasn't like that, right? Mm. He said, follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. Okay, well, he said one more thing, and it's implied in follow me. If you follow me, you give up control of your life to me. When I 
leave the room, for Peter anyway, all he had to do was get up and leave the room too. And following Jesus was easy for him, for a while anyway. But if you get all the way to John 21, you see when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he says to Peter, you follow me. I don't know how high you can jump, but I can't get there. Right? We still have to follow. That's our calling. And so when we tell you this story, I want you to just keep that in your head, that our job isn't to make it turn out like we want it. Our job is to serve him and to follow Christ and to let him turn it out like he wants it. And, and so, okay, you want to talk about the beginning of the church. I received a call um, one day that said, we want you to come and preach at our church. There was another pastor named Robert Gelinas, who's now pastor of Colorado Community Church. It ended up that this little group of believers that were in the base chapel lost their chapel. They lost their chaplains. Uh, and they said, look, we want to stay together. So they incorporated and formed a church called Base Chapel of the Rockies. And they needed a pastor. Well, Robert and I agreed to become their co-pastors. Uh, this is before Peggy and I were married, and we started. It took two years, I think it was, Mr. Perry, right, to get the name changed to Living Hope Community Church. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was just a little seed like a little mustard seed, where all we did was say, God, this is yours. What do you want to do? And that's, that's where we started. And then how did you meet Mrs. Kalavik? Mrs. Kalavik, how about you tell that story? Yeah. <laughs> that's okay, I'll do it. Okay. Oh, no, I, no you, you're about to encounter a force. So. I met Mr. Kalavik at Lowry Community Church where he was a co-pastor, and he was playing the piano. And I needed a piano player. <laughs> and so he started playing the piano for me. And over the years, somehow, through God's providence, we both became single. And one day he says to me, when we're driving to somebody's wedding, we should get married. <laughs> It was and, smooth. It was smooth. <laughs> and I said, you got to be kidding. I need to think about this. And so I did. I went home and I thought about it. And a week or so passed and he comes back and he gets on his knees and he says, will you marry me? And I'm thinking, I don't really want to, but I can't say no to him. <laughs> and so I married him. <laughs> and he's been playing the piano for me ever since. That only hurts a little. <laughs> but you won. I mean, I mean that, if it, the shoe fits, right? Well, then you guys now were leading this congregation. Robert uh, left to go pastor Colorado Community Church, which is a beautiful congregation on the east side of town. And then you're with these 75 uh, church members uh, and started looking for land. So how did that kind of develop? Again follow me, right? We had a group of people that said, we got to buy some land, we got to do something, and we had plans, and we were looking at properties, and it seemed like nothing worked out. Oh, nothing. I mean, one property we looked at when we finally got the 
the city's diagram of the property, there was a road planned to go right through the middle of that. It would have been a bad thing to have a road going right through this building, right? So we were invited to a spelling bee of one of our little fifth graders who was going to Altura Elementary. We attended that spelling bee. She won. But when we left the school that day, uh, her family invited us to cross the street and meet the farmer that owned five acres at 1671 Altura. Okay, so we met him, and um, his name was Jack. He's the only son of Glenn Tapping, who was a farmer who began farming at this property way back in the 1940s. And when Glenn was ready, well, let me say it this way. Glenn had an encounter with Jesus Christ when he was younger, like in his 40s. He said... God, I'm going to follow you. I want to give you my whole life. And he told his son, Jack, look, this last five acres we have, if you sell this last five acres, you need to sell it to somebody who's going to preach the gospel on this land and care for this community. Now, I always thought that meant Jack should just give it to us for free, right? (laughs) But Jack didn't do that. It was a beautiful thing, though, to watch God work it out so that we could eventually uh, purchase the land from Mr. Tapping. Yeah, but I want you to go deeper into that because I think the land to, you told me at that point was appraised at a million dollars, and That's he right. offered it to you for 600000 650 yeah. 650 Yeah, so Jack says, you know, I'll sell it to you for 650 And I said, well, man, Jack, that's great, but we don't have 650 and we can't get 650. And maybe six weeks went by, and Jack called. Apparently, God was working on Jack, right? Because Jack calls and says, "Well, okay, 550." And I said, "Well, Jack, don't get me wrong. Every hundred thousand helps, okay? But um, we don't have 550. Jack, you know, you you got other people that might want to take care of this. You got big ministries that you're talking to. Maybe you could sell it to one of them." Another six weeks go by. Jack comes back, four fifty. So okay, Jack. Now we're getting closer. <laughs> the church had saved two hundred thousand uh, dollars over the years, right? Because this was two thousand fourteen, and we started in nineteen ninety six. So we had been saving a little bit every year, right? But I told Jack, I said, look. Oh, I'm wrong about my dates. 2006, yeah, so we had 10 years to save the money. I told Jack, look, we just hired a Spanish pastor, and we're, pay- we're paying all of our income to salaries because he's still preaching to the chairs. You know, we, we don't really have a strong congregation there yet. It-, it can't support itself. But Jack, I'll tell you what. If you are the bank... We'll give you our 200 and you can loan us the 250 and we'll just pay you. And Jack said, okay. Well, yeah, the, I don't, the giving wasn't done, though, was it? No. Over the years, I kept going back to Jack for a little more. Ask him to chisel down the price, right? Well, I eventually had a, a little idea because all this time the church was getting smaller, not bigger. Um, you know, we serve a retired community, and people were moving away or getting sick or passing away. And 
we weren't really replenishing that group. And okay, uh, Jack, we're going to have a fundraiser where I want you to match every dollar that we bring in. <laughs> Banks love that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jack said, well, I won't do that. But to make a long story short, it ended up that we actually bought the property for somewhere around 400000 even. So it's yeah. just a miracle, really. So it took you from 2006 to 2014 right. to pay that off. So, you know, yeah. most churches don't have the patience for that. Meanwhile, on Sundays, you guys are meeting at North Middle School, North Middle School on Peoria and Montview there. Yeah. And really, this year will be 27 years every Sunday in a school cafeteria. Yeah. But uh, I think some of this is how we all feel, is that we're in the cafeteria and we want to trust God that he's going to do something. But I want you to both speak about, were there days where you were like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Is this just a fool's errand? You know, talk, talk in the valley for us. can't say there's ever been a day when I thought, huh, this isn't going to work out. I never have had that. I have listened to him have that and encouraged him, but I've never been worried about this because I grew up in the hand of God, and I know that God is able. God has, has picked this up and carried it. He started it. He carried it. I have never, ever one day doubted that he was going to do what he wanted to do, and maybe it wasn't what I thought it should be, but I knew he was going to do what he wanted. And I was safe and, and, and secure with that. I've never doubted. So how did you help your feeble-faithed husband? Well, I just kept saying to him, uh, you know we can't. And no matter how hard you want to quit or how bad you want to quit. And how the people, there are people who are continually coming, pastors that we've never met before. We don't know who these people are, to say to him, I don't know what you're doing, but God is saying to me to tell you, don't stop. You have to continue. Don't stop. Don't stop. And so I've always felt that God would do what God would do. And I trust God. And so if it was something I didn't like, okay, cool. God does stuff with me all the time I don't like. And I bow my head and I keep walking. That's what you do. Amen. So you obviously married up when it comes to faith, uh, for sure. And uh, so yeah, you, you were the one who struggled. I mean, you've talked to me about these days. Yeah, well, um, I'll tell you a story. Uh, we had a pastor, Carlos Aguilar. He, he took me to a Spanish pastor's meeting. And <laughs> it was all Spanish, right? So I was sitting there going, yep, gloria a Dios. That's about all, <laughs> that's about all I got, right? And, um, <laughs> and would you believe there was a guy from India who spoke English that was their main speaker at the Spanish pastor meeting. And, and he spoke for a while, and he turned to me. He spoke in English. I don't remember what he said. Okay, I just don't. I just sort of blanked out. But maybe six weeks later, we're in the cafeteria at North Middle School. We're getting ready to pack up and this same guy from India walks in the door. I never saw him before. I've never seen him since. And he says to me, God sent me here to tell you something. Okay, what is it? He says, you can't quit. 
No matter what happens, you cannot quit. Because we had gotten down to where, um, you know, some Sundays, I remember a snowy Sunday where I set up all the stuff. Um, the Spanish side was setting up in the auditorium back in those days. Um, it was snowy, so some of our regulars were late, right, because the roads were bad. So at 10.30, when we're supposed to start, I'm standing in the cafeteria by myself, waiting for the multitudes. <laughs> and um, here comes a new couple. We finally got a new couple to come to church, and when they walk in the door, it's just me and them. Hi. <laughs> welcome. We saved a seat for you. Look. <laughs> Sit wherever you want. <laughs> I mean, it was like, God, you know, don't you see that we could just take this little group of people and put them in one row at Colorado Community? We could just set them in one row. In fact, we'd have trouble filling that one row. What are we doing this for? But every, this guy, this preacher from India puts his hand on my chest. He prays for me. Um, the financial things just keep coming in from people that don't go to our church. It's like every time it looked like we were going to hit the wall, the wall disappeared. And all we did was follow. That's all we did. So what do you do? I mean, what do you do when you're like, you had to have those moments you're like, I just want to quit. So what got you through that moment? Yeah, well... Um, we even got to the place where the board was saying, look, let's just sell this land. It's been 17 years. Let's just sell this land. It's not going to happen. Let's take the money. Let's go get a shop bet. Let's do something so that we get out of this cafeteria. But see, God has blessed me with a wife that sat next to me when Jack Tapping interviewed us and told us, one of the things I want you to do is preach the gospel from that land. And we sat there in front of Jack Tapping and said, okay, you got a deal. And you had to face the fact, God, what if, what if it's not in our time? What if we set up chairs and set up the sound system for these 30 people, 40 people, what if we do it till we can't set up chairs anymore because we're old? And, you know, the next guy comes in and then you open the door. You have to face the fact that it might not change. But are you willing to say to God, I'm going to follow you? This isn't my church. This is your church. I don't know how we ended up with five acres of paid for land, but we did. And so you must have a plan somewhere. Whether it's for us or the next generation, I don't know. But we're going to just keep going. And then, don't let me forget to say this, I'd go home and tell my wife that I was thinking about quitting. And somehow she was able to talk me out of it. Let me just say it that way. <laughs> so Peggy, can you give us the 30-second peek into that speech? This is the voice we all need to hear, is this voice right here. What did you say to him? God is listening. God is right here. We promised that man before God 
that if he gave us Solus's land, this big discount, I mean, this man took a hit for us to have this. It wasn't like we gave him all the money. We didn't. He could have got a $1.2 million for this property. But he sold it to us because we said, we're going to preach the gospel in English and in Spanish. And when I make, when I raise my hand to somebody and say, I'm going to, before God, God is watching, I, I can't turn back. I have to do it. We have to do this. And that was my speech every time. We can't not do this. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. So in 2014, you pay off the land. We're sitting here in 2023. So now you've got to build a building, which out of the dirt is going to be a 3 to $5 million deal. So now you guys have got yourself into a pickle. In 2015, nothing happens. 2016, nothing happens. 2017, nothing happens. 2018, nothing happens. 2019, nothing happens. And then 2020 hits, and Rose enters the picture. Yeah, the irony of the moment was that as, as people would come to me and say, well, you know, Pastor, what are we going to do with the land? we got five acres. Come on, what are we doing? We could, like, have hot dog sales or something. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, um, how many hot dogs do you have to sell to make $5 million? <laughs> That's a lot of hot dogs. Um, you know, what are we going to do? And here's what we really did. We went to that farmhouse once a week, sometimes every night for two or three weeks in a row uh, for all those 17 years, with a few exceptions, but all we did was pray. That's what we did. We prayed. And so when Rose walks in the door and says, hey, I just graduated from this thing called Cross Purpose. I said, well, what's that? Well, she explained it to us, and I went online and looked at it, and somewhere on that website they had this uh, little blurb that said, we're thinking about expanding into North Aurora. I said, oh, I got five acres in North Aurora. Maybe I'll call them. <laughs> so I sent him a little contact form thing, and Juan Pena uh, called me back a few weeks later. And uh, we had a little Zoom call. It was very nice. He said, we, we have pastor meetings uh, most of the time in August. This was January. Uh, so I'll call you and invite you to the pastor meeting when we get to it. I said, great, one, thanks. That was good. <laughs> so I think it was in February because you kept calling. You didn't wait till the pastor's meeting. Actually, that's not true. I don't know why Mike Petrak called me. I don't know why. I don't know if Juan told him something. I never got the story for that. But I got a call within a week of talking to Juan. I can tell you why because I got a sticky note on my desk that said, Mind you, we're in the middle of COVID. I'm wondering if Cross Purpose is going to survive as an entity. We froze hiring, froze salaries. We were on Zoom, which was a mini version of hell for our core value of relational weave. Like, and we were like, we don't know if we're going to make it. And I get a sticky note saying, there's a pastor in Aurora that wants you to come out and build a, a church building for him. And I was like, uh, no, you know. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so then I gave it to Juan and said, hey, basically, can you get this, can you say no in a nice way? 
Like, get this guy off our back, basically. So Juan comes back and says, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, you know? And I said, no. And so I gave it to Mike and said, hey, Mike, can you, Juan couldn't get him off my back. Can Mike, could you get him off my back? Well, Mike actually drove out there and saw you, came back and said, Jason, you need to go look at this. And I said, no. <laughs> like, I don't know what part of that word you don't understand, but this is not in our cards. And, uh, and I don't know what it was. Well, I think I do know what it was. I just finally called and said, all right, I'll go look at it. You know, and I went, and for some reason, I didn't get the memo that there were five acres of land. And, when I, and I maybe didn't even have a concept of what that looked like. When I walked onto the land, I was like, it was huge. It was a, it was a wintry day, because I know we walked the property, we prayed, my shoes were all muddy. Um, but I was like, wow, this is a huge piece of property. And it's six blocks from the Anschutz Hospital, which is the largest employer in the metro area outside of the airport. And 50% of all cross-purpose graduates graduate into healthcare. And I was like, like all of a sudden things started to connect. And then I looked at Pastor Scott and I was like, well, this could be amazing. I said, but you don't need five acres for your church and we don't need five acres for cross-purpose. I think this thing's on like a third of an acre. And I said, but maybe we could bring in a developer and they could give us a discount on the building. And I remember you looked at me and goes, sure, I don't know how to do that. And I said, and neither do I, you know? Because <laughs> uh, I think Rose, who was on your worship team, said, get cross-purpose over here because they know how to build buildings, which we have never built a building in our entire existence. We remodeled this one, right? And so, so, we, uh, so then I thought, well, I do have relationships with people. So I called Aaron Maripol at the Urban Land Conservancy, which buys up land by TODs to preserve them for nonprofit use for generations. And so I called Aaron and said, hey, Aaron, I got this deal. You want to Google Earth this with me? And we zoomed in. He's like, that looks like a deal to me. Call my developer friend, Columbia Ventures. I called them. They came out, looked at it, and said, this looks like it could actually happen. And I brought John Hyde in. John Hyde uh, worked for a developer. And I said, John, this thing's way, this developer comes across way too smooth to me. And I I want to make sure they're not taking advantage of us. And he said, well, as long as you're not writing checks, just take advantage of all their design stuff that they're doing for you and just don't write checks. And when they want you to write a check, that's when you have the real conversation. (laughs) And we, neither one of us wrote a check for the last two and a half years to the developer as they kind of went in and kind of crafted the deal and designed this property. If you jump back to our side... In 2000, as Providence, if you remember this, in 2016, we were looking, we were meeting in a school. We were renting space at the Clayton building across the street. And this business owner on 40th and Cook said, maybe we could do a deal with you guys. You put your church and nonprofit here. And we started marching around that property and praying for it. And about nine months into that project, this building was given to us. And so we went here instead of there. But out of that, this vision was built to do a one-stop shop around poverty where we could have one campus that took care of basically housing and health care and child care and education, all those kind of things, and the spiritual care that a church would bring. And so there was a kind of the death of our dream. And I think in that I started realizing that in the journey of faith, oftentimes we birth Ishmael's where God makes a promise to us and says, follow me. And then we have an idea of how that might look. And when it doesn't seem to turn out, we, we sin. We get 
too anxious. We want to get married so fast, so bad, we just take, you know, we settle. Or in our lives, we just, we don't wait for the God moment in it. And we're still dealing with Ishmael to this day, right? And waiting for the Isaac to happen. And I think that's, in my life journey of faith, that's like God's always saying, Jason's going to take longer, but when it comes to fruition, it's going to be bigger and better than what you have in your head. That's really hard to make sense of in a board packet, right? (laughs) And in a business plan, because it doesn't always pencil out that way. But Jen, why don't you speak into like the testimony that you've gotten from this journey uh, over our partnership with Living Hope? Yeah, I think um, there's two growth facts that led to my spiritual growth in this. And one was 10 years ago when Cross Purpose was getting going and our main donor, uh, Tom Gamble, um, a shrewd businessman, um, basically said, I will give you money to get the organization going. And we're like, that's great. Well, we're paying a lot in rent, and it sure would be nice to have a building. Well, Providence, at the same time, we didn't have a church home. We were meeting in schools, just like Living Hope, you guys have been doing. And so he was like, great on the church stuff, that's fine, but all about cross-purpose. And so he had a conversation with Jay, and he said, if you guys ever find free land, wherever you find that, I will give you a million dollars. And if you can find somebody that will give you land, I'll give you a million dollars to build a building. And he made that promise to Jay 10 years ago in a back meeting. And I remember Jay coming home after that and going, we got a million dollars. I was like, how? What do we have to, what does that mean? And uh, he was like, well, we got to find free land. And I was like, I don't know, how's that going to happen? Like, where's free land? And so we found out there's not an MLS listing for free land. Yeah, it doesn't exist. But we would spend date nights, like driving different neighborhoods and looking at plots of lands and all those kinds of, just going, God, okay, you've given us this. We don't know what that means. Like waiting and waiting and waiting, just like y'all having paid for the land and going, we now need a building and a partnership. And we're like, we had the money, but we don't have the land. And so waiting, 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 being patient. And then I remember meeting y'all at, in Stapleton, we went to breakfast. That was the first time. And I remember Jay going, Jen, I need you to come and explain cross-purpose to Miss Peggy. <laughs> um, and I, she needs to understand, and Pastor Catholic needs to see the heart of why this nonprofit of cross-purpose that can love its neighbor needs to be inside of a body of believers and, like, how that goes together. And, um, and just be real and be yourself and walk along as Providence has walked this journey into cross-purpose. How does Living Hope do that? And I remember, Miss Peggy, you saying exactly what you just said right now and experiencing what I believe our bodies together, this beautiful body of Christ together is experiencing. A woman of great faith, warrior, like faith that stands on principles. And you said at that meeting, we made a promise and Christ was going to be preached on that property. And if we can't do that, if cross purpose doesn't do it, it ain't basically in loving ways. It's not going to happen. 
And you've said it for years, and you're saying it now, and praise be to God. And Pastor Calvick, watching your love. I don't know if you guys feel it, but he is a lover, like a genuine lover. And this team right here is amazing. I can see how the body of living hope has been loved and faith has been kept. And that is an amazing gift to the body. And that, that has grown my faith. Watching God say, I got a million dollars from an unbelieving philanthropist that you can build a building. And then watching the faith and the love of a couple serving Christ. So him using his, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I got the money. I own the land already. And I have my people, my chosen people, who will step on that land has grown my faith. So then January 2022 hits. And basically the developer said, guys, we, we really need three miracles. We need, first of all, we need ARPA funding from the city of Aurora. Uh, second, we need to rezone the property because we need to go high in order to pencil it out on the pro forma. And it's all surrounded by single-family homes. I was like, well, that's not going to happen. And uh, you heard about rezoning meetings, right? And then third, we need to get CHAFA tax credits. So if you're familiar with affordable housing, the federal government says we don't want to build projects anymore, but we'll give tax credits to private developers to, to help do a better job than the federal government can do. So I was like, well, Scott and I were like, we don't know how to do that. And they're like, we got it covered, but you guys need to show up and we say show up. Turns out we got the largest ARPA gift from the city of Aurora of any organization into this project, a million and a half dollars. Then we went for rezoning, and basically uh, in rezoning, we went into the first meeting, there was no, no naysayers in the rezoning meeting. We're like, oh, this is interesting. And city council unanimously moved it to a second hearing. We, we got rid of that second hearing, and we were just getting ready to finalize the deal and we, we were having to testify to counsel, and basically it was on Zoom, and we were all waiting in the queue, and there were current staff members, there's graduates that live in Aurora that'd be benefited from the property. We're all waiting to say our piece. And uh, prairie dogs were on the agenda before us, and they made this huge, wonderful push that we need to do more for the prairie dogs because we do preserve them, but we need to preserve them better. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And there's a nonprofit that's going to help with prairie dog relocation in the communities and all that. And then they opened up to council, and council just butchered the prairie dogs. Like, <laughs> we're not going to make it harder on developers. We care more about humans than prairie dogs. And so I was like, and we were starting to sweat because it was brutal. Like, the prairie dog initiative went down in flames. <laughs> and we were next. And we were like, oh, I hope they <laughs> care. And we all presented like we were slacking to each other. I'm sweating. Are you sweating? And... And uh, we got done, and it was the opposite. Like, it was like, this is the greatest project going in Aurora right now. We love this. It passed unanimously. And I was like, wow. Then all we had to do then was go through tax credits. Well, tax credits is a beauty contest because everybody wants those tax credits. And so over 30 projects were submitted. And there's a huge bias against putting a lot of these projects near to each other so we don't create pockets where there's not mixed-use housing. And so we knew we were behind the eight ball on that, and so we planned our presentation out. We made sure we were all perfect. You only get 90, well, you get 180 seconds to present uh, to the Chaffa board. And so I said, let's make sure our tech is all set up. It's all on Zoom. 
And I'll never forget, we got to the meeting, and for some reason, the internet went down here, and the PowerPoint went work, and I started to sweat. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know, my slide deck will not work. Something's logged up. And I, I texted the team, and I said, someone print out a picture of Tiffany Johnson and bring it to the Clayton conference room immediately. And I'm just sitting there waiting for our time, and someone throws in a piece of paper, and it's got Tiffany's picture. Well, Tiffany was the first student at Cross Purpose who's now on our board. And I just, I got to my uh, three minutes, and I was like, uh, it's all about her. It's all about her. Like, if we don't do this, like, we don't help her. Because at a portion of her life, she was a single mom with two kids, and I said, this property then helps a single mom have a place to stay a place to get a great job, a church to go to, a school across the street, and then she can walk to the Andrews campus for her job. It's all about Tiffany. Like, all my notes went down the tube, and I was like crying, and I was like, it's about Tiffany. We won tax credits, uh, right? And so, and ironically, Terry Bratton retired from Chaffa, uh, so just a full circle moment for us. But in that moment, I, I actually had lunch two months ago with a woman, and she was representing another organization that lost in the beauty contest. And I said, man, I'm so sorry. I hope you guys get to the next round. She goes, yeah, you guys beat us out. We don't know what happened. All we heard it was that the presentation was historic. <laughs> you know, so I was like, it was that old, that little piece of paper. So then it, it kind of happened, and the million dollars came through two weeks ago, wired the day before closing. Um, and we were able to move to closing and have groundbreaking for me. So just so you know, the property will have 137 affordable housing units on it with windows overlooking the Rocky Mountains, granite countertops. These apartments are beautiful. Uh, every single resident has a washer dryer inside their apartment, which you know affordable housing, that doesn't usually happen. There's a courtyard, there's barbecue pits, there's splash pads for the kids, there's hammocks, there's a place for an amphitheater to watch f movies on Friday nights, and this beautiful Building 5, which will be uh, occupied by Living Hope Community Church on Sundays and cross-purpose Monday through Friday. Uh, it's a $60 million project. So if you take that little seed of $400,000 and realize that 20 years of God's work no one's getting that in the S&P 500 or in the stock market. That kind of return, that's a kingdom return. That's just not heavenly riches, folks. That is God leveraging his capital here for this humongous return. So I get reminded of the verse, which says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It's smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown... It is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. You're going to see this haven develop in this Aurora campus that actually is not just a good church story. It is a good city story. Like I think this will be a national model that thousands of people come visit and say, wow. And then when they actually dig under the hood and say, how did this happen? Where was the rich dude? We're going to say he's up there. Right? He's up there. That's, that's where the rich dude is. So Friday, I'm sitting there in that Eisenhower Hospital building, meeting with a community development organization on the Anschutz campus. Because 20 of our grads now work on the Anschutz campus, right? And now, it's not lost on me. And by the way, the Anschutz family is the largest funder of Cross Purpose. 
So when you see what Phil Andrews has done to develop what he what his vision there is the Mayo of the West. He goes, nobody in Colorado should have to travel to the Mayo Clinic. We're going to build it here, and I'm going to make it happen. And now we're actually providing the workforce to make that happen on that campus. So I hope you are encouraged this morning. In the next 20 minutes, I don't think you're ever going to forget in your life. Because it's, it's the bookend. The construction has begun on the site. We hope to have grand opening by the end of Q1 of 2025, and that will be an epic day of celebration. But for right now, I think this group of 150 people, we celebrate right now what, what God is doing. And, and so some pictures of that uh, we want to bring before you. The first picture is this. We have some founding members here this morning who believed when nobody else believed. I used to this Patrick Scott, I said, Patrick Scott, like, you know, you guys were the ones that were toiling in prayer for 20 years. We're just the last two and a half years. He goes, yep, but you did what you were supposed to do when you showed up and God said move. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. You pray for 20, we'll come in the last two. I get it. But the people that have prayed it forever, those original veterans from that army base, um, we have them here this morning. So, Mr. Perry and Darla, would you please come up? because we want to honor you this morning. By the way, while they're making their way down here, I need to tell you that on Tuesday, Mr. Perry is going to be celebrating his 92nd birthday. At groundbreaking, Mr. Perry walked up and whispered in my ear, and he said, I never thought this day. There were days I didn't know if this day was ever going to happen. And we are thankful for your faithfulness to God, uh, your faithfulness to our country, and your faithfulness to this church, and your faithfulness to this project. I won't make you come up on the stage, but we have a small gift for you guys. And it basically is a picture of the land as it sits undeveloped with the ranch house on it, the farmhouse on it. And then the picture of the building five that is being built now. And uh, the verse on the bottom is Mark eleven seventeen because Miss Peggy's one request for the interior design of the building was somewhere in that building, it has to have these words, my house will be called a house of prayer. So this says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And we want uh, this to be something on your wall that's a testament to the great faithfulness of God, but also the fact that he worked through you uh, to bring us to this day. So we thank you. Amen. Scott and Peggy, we also got one for you. Oh, thank you and so also much. Deborah, who is a founding member who's not able to be here, yeah. we have got one for her as well. We also have another special guest this morning, and that is that woman who was the right woman at the right time with the five loaves and two fishes, 
named Rose. Rose, would you come forward? Where's Rose? Rose, Cross Purpose graduate, uh, was serving on the worship team, and Rose is the one who walked up to Pastor Scott and said, you need to talk to Cross Purpose. And uh, I don't know what made you do that. Well, I think I know what made you do that. Uh, But thank you, uh, because God used you, because without that link, this would not have happened. Rose is actually now an international singer, just came back from England, and she's singing on behalf of her people, but she wrote a song uh, about this project, and she's agreed to sing it for us this morning, and what you'll see on the video is actually the um, construction equipment beginning to move onto the property, but Rose, you're going to bless us with that song this morning. Thank you, Rose. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's okay. Before, before I go ahead and sing, I just want to say thank God for Cross Purpose. And because of Cross Purpose, we are all here today. And it all starts with God. Um, I love my pastor a lot, Pastor Scott and Miss Peggy. I watch them over the years. Uh, I've been with uh, Living Hope for over 20 years, and my kids grew up in that church. I was looking for a space where the word of God was preached without any watering or whatever, and I went to that church, and I had people tell me, it's like, this is really hard because your kids are young, and they don't have young kids in this church. But I've always gone with my instincts. So when I came to Cross Purpose, um, Jason, they have a night on Cross Purpose that he has to come and tell people how this the ministry was birthed or how Cross Purpose came about. And he sat there explaining something just came over me. I, I just couldn't stop crying. I'm like, why? You know, he reminded me so much of Pastor Scott and Miss Peggy, how these people, they are so selfless. Um, uh, uh, Jen and her husband, and I kept thinking, and the first, the only thing that came to me was, oh my God, I need to connect these two ministries. I need to connect these two men. They're so similar, the ministry, and after, with everything that uh, uh, Cross Purpose went through, uh, through Providence, and I'm like, I think this is the the, the, the the right person for Pastor Scott to meet. But then something kept asking me, it's like, what is it? What what's going to happen? And I had gone to church that Sunday, and we were talking about the land. And I've been in this church for a long time. And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Maybe it will happen when my kids, when I'm gone. I don't think this is going to happen. But uh, the Holy Spirit kept telling me they need to meet, they need to talk. So I had gone to Pastor Scott's house, and I was telling him about cross purpose. He's like, hmm. And he loved to Google stuff. He started googling and checking. And, and I want to say thank you because of cross purpose. I am, or um, I graduated from here, and uh, I am so proud. And the good thing with this ministry, 
they don't they don't they don't equip you they don't give you whatever it is that you need and then they come after you know how some people come after you you're going to work for us for two years you're going to do this you know they let you go because they better your life and I'm, I just want to say thank you so much this story the song called giant killer the, the, the thing behind that is it remind me of a story in the Bible of a man called Zacchaeus okay Zacchaeus went to meet Jesus that day he didn't even think Jesus would end up at his house all he did was get in the tree climb the tree and the next thing Jesus said come down I'm going to your house today Whoever you are, I don't know what your problem is, but I want you to always know you can run to God. Don't sit there and say, oh, no, he's going to do it. He just wants you to say, yes, here I am. Total surrender. Once you surrender to God, he will. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew in my spirit that this ministry cross-purpose and, and in contact with providence was going to be able to help uh, a living hope. You see how that happened? God don't come down to say, oh, I'm going to oh, send you blessings. He bless you through people. There are destiny helpers out there. So whatever it is you are going through, I want to tell you it's going to be okay. Just tell God I've surrendered it to you. I'm, I've given it to you. You will begin to see the work of God in your life. And I want to lead this morning with God being our helper. He being our provider. He's being our giant kill, killer. Whenever Living Hope went and saw a wall that it couldn't go through, God was killing the giant. And here it was, this ministry. So I love you all and I say thank you.